Welcome to the Garbage Pod. One pod, one load of garbage. 29 and 28. I've remanded in custody. There's something curious about this broadcast. Hello everybody and welcome to the Garbage Pod for our annual delve into the global phenomenon that is the Eurovision Song Contest. The Eurovision Song Contest features artists from all across Europe and strangely, Australia. Over the years, Eurovision has launched the careers of many bands and artists and probably most famous of these is ABBA. Joining me for the 67th edition of the Song Contest is my TGB nominal co-host and stateside Eurovision fan, John Berger. How are you doing, sir? Hello, hello. What have we got here? <laughs> you watch too much Monty Python, John. <laughs> <laughs> there is no such thing as too much Monty Python. <laughs> How's it going? You know, it's going. How are things on your side? It's getting there, actually. Big build-up to Eurovision, obviously. Um, well, it started about a month ago. The, and Liverpool has just been getting busier and busier. It's uh, Okay, I, I have to ask. I haven't kept up on that one. Why Liverpool? Why not? I, I would have thought maybe you know London or something like that. but They don't want to have the events in London because... Everything seems to be centred around London. So they wanted well, to have it in other places. So there was a short list, and at the end of it, Liverpool got it. Right. It's easy to get to, fairly easy to get to. Uh, it's easier for Leslie to get to than, than me, because from Wales, it's nearer to Liverpool than it is in Hertfordshire. So mentioning there that Leslie's on the show, that's uh, Leslie Ann Shaw. She's uh, been on the show before. Hello. She blew us out of the water on the on the predictions last year. Insider, I'm telling you, she's cheating. She's got insider <laughs> information. So, Leslie, you're, you're actually heading o- over to Liverpool. I am. I'm very excited. Counting down the days. Less than a week till I go. I was trying to explain to John how the dress rehearsals work because um, John was finding it a bit strange that you could actually buy tickets <laughs> to go to a dress rehearsal. And I'm trying to explain this to people all the time. It's like, yeah, it's not the televised final because in the UK, everyone thinks it's just the final you see on the Saturday. They forget that there's the semis because we don't really make a big deal of it here normally, do we? This is the first time that the BBC have been showing, well, will be showing the semi-finals on prime time. It's normally on BBC Three or one of those kind of channels. Oh, is it, it's going to be it's on, going on the main one, is it's, it? It's going on BBC One this year for awesome. the first time. Yeah. Well, I'll miss the first semi-final because I'll be on my way back from the rehearsal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, heading up on uh, Monday night. Well, in an ideal world, we would have got tickets for the grand final, but that didn't happen. Um, that was impossible, pretty much. Plus, my mother's decided to go on holiday, so there's no one to look after the little one. So we've got tickets for the Tuesday, the Tuesday afternoon. They said that's probably the best one because we're taking our eldest daughter with this. So we're going up on the Monday, uh, do a bit of celeb spotting. I bet we walk past loads of people from Eurovision and we won't have a clue who they are. We're on a big lookout for six foot ten Daddy Freya, that's the main thing. <laughs> so yeah, we're going to do that on Monday night and then Tuesday afternoon go and see the show. Really looking forward to it. Are you going to be heading over to Pierhead? where they're doing... There's going to be a lot of outdoor events up by the uh, Liverpool Museum on the Merseyside there. 
I think on Monday night, I think it's all Ukrainian music. So I've got over a nose over there. All right, that'd be cool. I think so, anyway. Oh my God, you weren't kidding. He is six feet ten. <laughs> yes. Oh, I mean, I'm six foot two. Rarely do I have to look up to people, <laughs> but I mean, that would crack my neck. <laughs> Wow. Okay, then. It should be easy to spot. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and with that voice, it should be easy to hear as well when you see him. <laughs> well, he's gigging. I saw today, um, he's advertised he's doing a gig in Liverpool in a pub next week, but it's on Wednesday, so we've already come back. I'm gutted. That's a shame. Yeah. He's awesome live. There's a lot of things going on through the whole city, so it's just not going to stop from, well, about now... <laughs> Right the way through till the 14th. So uh, it's it's a really busy time in Liverpool. Well, I'm not giving up hope yet. I've, we've entered every competition possible for the grand final as well. Uh, I've bought a lot of Philadelphia cheese and entered the competition with those. Children Need, I've uh, have done one as well. So we're waiting for a phone call to say you've won the tickets. So hopefully be back for the, for the final then. Fingers crossed. <laughs> It's going to be, obviously, online on, on YouTube. I take it again this year, John, it's going to be blocked in the US. Probably on YouTube. I don't even know who's going to be showing it this year, now that I think about it. Well, haven't they got a worldwide vote added into it as well this year or something? Yeah, they have. They've got a non-European casting vote this year. So they're going to have to televise it then, aren't they? In previous years, I think the, the, the final was not blocked in the US, but the, the semi-finals were blocked, so you couldn't yeah, watch them in the US, were. which was a bit strange but that might be different this year as the BBC are involved they might have some swing as where it gets shown and uh, looks like it's going to be streaming for free on Peacock again this year which I think is what happened last year too okay but there, I know that there are some European broadcasters that are just like whatever we're going to show it anyway without anything and it is possible to watch them too chances are they're not going to be English speaking so you're going to have to you know go through that <laughs> but it looks like uh, Peacock and all their subscribers will be able to do it okay. but again they're not going to do the semis I'm sure VPNs are a thing yeah <laughs> Right, so we're going to take a short break, and when we come back, let's start the show with a little bit of Eurovision news. BBC Television, nine o'clock. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. On behalf of the BBC, together we can all join in welcoming the star artists who are here in London tonight. Perhaps something like 400 million people could be watching at this moment. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment has come. We're going to meet the Wombles. Tell us who the winner is. We will. We will. Now we're going to tell you. Now it's time for the contest to begin. This is the BBC Home Service. Here is the news. After the Kalush Orchestra's victory in Turin in 2022, in accordance with the Eurovision tradition, the EBU initially gave the Ukraine an opportunity to organise the 2023 contest. Ukraine had hosted the contest twice before in 2005 and 2017, both times in Kyiv. 
However, in light of the Russian invasion of Ukraine, speculation was raised that the country would not be capable of hosting the event. Due to this, several countries expressed interest in hosting in the event that Ukraine wouldn't be able to. In June 2022, the EBU announced that Ukraine would not be able to host the contest following assessments with both the Ukraine broadcaster, UAPBC, and that discussions would be begin with the BBC for potentially hosting in the United Kingdom, which finished in second place in the 2022 contest. The last time the contest was not held in the previous year's winning country was in 1980, when it took place in The Hague, Netherlands, after Israel, having won both in 1978 and 1979, declined to host it for a second successive year due to financial reasons. On the 25th of July 2022, the EBU, AUPBC and the BBC announced that the 2023 contest would be held in the United Kingdom with the host city bidding process to commence in the same week. This will be the fifth time that the UK hosted the event instead of the previous year's winning country, having previously done it for the Netherlands in 1960, France in 1963, Monaco in 1972 and Luxembourg in 1974. This is one of the reasons why the UK is one of the big five. Interesting. Why weren't those other countries able to? It's not like anything was going on at the time. Financial reasons. Oh, financial? Okay. Wow. Okay, that makes sense. The BBC stated that any potential candidates must meet a set of minimum standards that demonstrate that they have the capacity, capability, and experience to host an event of this scale and complexity. The selection criteria for the host city in previous years have included a venue capable of accommodating at least 10,000 spectators, a press center for a maximum of 1,500 journalists, easy access to an international airport, and hotel accommodation for at least 2,000 delegates, journalists, and spectators. So they want the venue to be capable of accommodating 10,000 people, but they only want hotel accommodations for 2,000. That strikes me as a bit odd. That's just mainly for delegations and journalists and that kind of thing. Spectators is a free-for-all, basically. During the first stage of the bidding process, the BBC received expressions of interest from 20 UK cities and towns, seven of which were shortlisted. Birmingham, Glasgow, Leeds, Liverpool, Manchester, Newcastle, and Sheffield. These cities went to the second stage where they had to develop their bids in detail for evaluation by the BBC, who also conducted visits to the cities throughout the month. Finally, on 27 September, Glasgow and Liverpool were announced to have made the final shortlist, and on 7 October, the EBU and the BBC announced Liverpool as the host city with the Liverpool Arena as the chosen venue for the contest. The Liverpool Arena, also called the M&S Bank Arena, is part of the Exhibition Centre Liverpool and is located in central Liverpool next to the River Mersey. The arena opened in 2008 and has the capacity of 11,000. It hosted the MTV European Music Awards in 2008 and has hosted huge concerts such as Andrea Bocelli, Beyonce, Elton John, Kanye West, Sabian, The Killers, Lady Gaga, Oasis, Pink and Rihanna. Since the opening in 2008, the complex has attracted more than 8 million visitors to around 4,500 events. Have a listen to this. You might have already heard, but this year, the Eurovision Song Contest is in Liverpool. We are hosting it on behalf of Ukraine, and that has inspired us to be more ambitious than ever. So, what can you look forward to when the world's biggest celebration of singing lands on the banks of the Mersey? 
Well, behind me, 37 nations from across the world will compete in nine shows to be crowned champion. The grand final on the 13th of May will be watched live by 160 million people. But tickets for that sold out in just 90 minutes. But fear not, that is just the tip of the iceberg for what the team have planned here in Liverpool. Eurovision will take over the entire city for two whole weeks. Where we're standing now, the Pierhead will be transformed into the official Eurovision Village, a 15,000 capacity fan zone for anybody that loves music. Over 18 days, we'll have 75 hours of live performances, great experience, food and drink, and a special boulevard celebrating the best of Ukraine. You'll get to see some big names, some emerging stars, some unique live shows, and famous faces doing extraordinary things, as well as being a part of the city's biggest outdoor viewing party for the semi-finals and the Eurovision Grand Final. But if that's not enough and you're on full Eurovision immersion, you need to head to the Eurozone. During Eurovision, the Baltic Triangle will become the Eurozone. And behind me is the official Eurovision nightclub, Camp and Furnace. So if back-to-back -back Eurovision hits is your thing, then this is the place to be. As one of the best nights out in Liverpool, we are sure this is going to be the place to come after dark. Whether this is your first experience at Eurovision or you're an old hat. But what if you don't like clubbing? We've got you covered. Festival is an extraordinary two-week cultural festival. 24 brand new artistic commissions, 19 of them collaborations between UK and Ukrainian artists. Just here inside of this building, artists are designing costumes for the parade, rehearsing with Ukrainian musicians for a spectacular one-off show, whilst also preparing for the Ukrainian opera. But as well as world-class art, we must remember to welcome the world properly. To kickstart Eurovision Week on Sunday the 7th of May, right here on St George's Plateau, we'll play host to the National Lottery's Big Eurovision Welcome. This free spectacular will see tens of thousands of people treated to an outdoor show, the likes of which we haven't seen since the opening of the capital of culture. Music, lights, performance, and some amazing surprises. This is how you do a proper Eurovision welcome. Not that we have to worry about that in this city. Myself and my colleagues from the Royal Liverpool Philharmonic Orchestra, together with Owen Evans, are going to perform most well-known hits of Eurovision ever played. Here at Liverpool's Royal Court, we'll be joining in the fun with Jonathan Harvey's brand new comedy, A Thong for Europe. Here at Fazenda, we've created our own special cocktail in honour of Ukraine and Eurovision, with all profits being donated to charity. We're Wongs, we've got a fantastic karaoke booth and a bespoke collection of jewellery. At Liverpool One, we've got artists, musicians, dancers and performers. We've got pianos, we've got loads of activity on Shabazz Park. We're bringing Luke Jerome's floating earth to the Arbor Dock. We're excited to welcome the world. Baytree Cookery Academy, CIC, working with communities across Merseyside to create the most amazing Eurovision event ever. Sonia is a competition open to the public to find hidden versions of our very own Scouse Eurovision star. But it's not just the city centre that's getting its Eurovision on. Euro Street is our community programme, making sure that everyone across Liverpool city region gets to feel the beat of Eurovision. We've got a range of projects to ensure that all our communities can be involved, create and get together to celebrate Eurovision. We've also got grants for community organisations to develop their own events, to mark the moment and bring everyone together. And if you're in school, then things are about to get even better. 
role learn is our education programme, which means from early years to secondary school, we're bringing Eurovision into the classroom. From music lessons to storytelling, to European customs, to Ukraine language. We want to make sure this extraordinary moment for our city doesn't pass anyone by. So, it's pretty clear that Eurovision fortnight is going to be incredible. Alongside our team of volunteers, we can't wait to see you in town. To check out a show, pop along to the village with your mates, or just soak up the atmosphere with your family. Just one last thing. Do you know what you're wearing? The 2023 Eurovision Turquoise Carpet event and opening ceremony will be held on Sunday, 7 May at the iconic St. George's Hall in the heart of Liverpool. The event will be hosted by Timur Miroshnachenko, Ukrainian Eurovision commentator and Eurovision 2017 host, and Sam Kweck, British sports and television personality. The turquoise carpet will be broadcast live on the official Eurovision YouTube channel. The highlights from the event will be broadcast on Monday, 8 May on BBC One and the BBC iPlayer. During the turquoise carpet event, competing acts at the 2023 Eurovision Song Contest will be able to meet and greet their fans and the assembled press. At the opening ceremony afterward, the mayor of Liverpool, Joanne Anderson, and officials from the BBC, UAPBC, the EBU, and the United Kingdom will officially welcome the 2023 Eurovision participating countries, delegations, and artists to Liverpool. Presenting the two live semi-finals on Tuesday the 9th and Thursday the 11th of May, which will be broadcast live at 8pm British Summer Time from Liverpool, will be a trio of musical superstars. Singer-songwriter, TV presenter and Britain's Got Talent judge Alicia Dixon, Emmy Award-winning actress Hannah Waddingham and Ukraine singer-songwriter and frontwoman of The Hard Kiss Julia Sanina. On stage to present the grand final on Saturday the 13th of May, which will also be broadcast at 8 o'clock British summertime, will be the Eurovision legend Graham Norton, joined by Alicia, Hannah and Julia. Timur Miroshnachenko will also be popping up in the live shows while bringing his expert commentary to the Ukrainian audiences from his commentary box in the MS Bank Arena. Both semi-finals will be broadcast live on BBC One and BBC iPlayer for the first time with radio DJs and Eurovision experts Scott Mills and Rylan bringing UK audiences their colourful and insightful commentary. For the grand final, commentary on BBC One and BBC iPlayer, Graham Norton and Mel Gedroich will take turns in the box to bring their audiences their unique and expert views on the 2023 acts. This is going to be a difficult one for Graham Norton because he's hosting on stage and he's also doing the commentary from the commentary box. So when he's not on stage, he's got to run all the way around to the commentary boxes, which are normally up in the gods. And then Mel Gedroich will take over from him on the commentary box while he runs back round onto the stage to do hosting. <laughs> I have never heard the phrase up in the gods. I know where you're going with it, but I've never heard that phrase before. <laughs> He's going to be absolutely cream crackered, as we say here, at the end of the evening, I think, because that's a lot of to in and fro in from the stage yeah. to the commentary box all evening. So we're going to take another short break, and when we come back, we're going to find out how we did with our predictions for Turin 2022. Yes, good evening, Helsinki. May I have your votes, please? 
back to the garbage pod for its eurovision special now before we reveal our results let's quickly go through the rules leslie john and i picked two songs from the first semi-final plus an honorable mention two songs from the second semi-final plus another honorable mention and then one song from the big six that's france germany italy spain united kingdom and the host nation plus an honorable mention We then added up the official points for any of the songs that we picked. They were the ones that made it through to the grand final. Now, since 2017, we've decided to include our honourable mentions in our scoring because, to be honest, our predicting skills are not up to much, or should I say, my predicting skills are not up to much. Also, due to the fact that Eurovision can be very unpredictable. But there is one condition to this. Our honourable mentions will only score half points. So, how did we do? Semi-final one. I picked Ukraine, Netherlands, and an honourable mention of Lithuania. John picked Bulgaria, Portugal, with an honourable mention of Ukraine. And Leslie picked Ukraine, Lithuania, with an honourable mention of Portugal. Bulgaria were knocked out of the contest, leaving John with Portugal and Ukraine going through to the grand final. All of mine and Leslie's picks went through. So let's go on to semi-final two. I picked Finland, Belgium, with an honourable mention of Georgia. John picked Estonia, Finland, with an honourable mention of Serbia. And Leslie picked Cyprus, Sweden, and an honourable mention of Poland. Georgia and Cyprus got knocked out of the contest, which left me with Finland and Belgium going through to the final, and Leslie was left with Sweden and Poland going through. This time, John had the full house. So next we had our big six picks. I picked United Kingdom with an honourable mention of Germany. John picked United Kingdom with an honourable mention of Italy. And Leslie also picked United Kingdom with an honourable mention of Italy. For a change, I had a really good feeling about this because we all had seven artists going through to the final, but I had only lost one honourable mention, whereas John and Leslie had lost full points artists. 
So here's how we did in the grand final. Germany came 25th with 6 points. Finland came 21st with 38 points. Belgium came 19th with 64 points. Lithuania came 14th with 128 points. Estonia came 13th with 141 points. Poland came 12th with 151 points. The Netherlands came 11th with 171 points. Portugal came 9th with 207 points. Italy came 6th with 268 points. Serbia came 5th with 312 points. Sweden came 4th with 438 points. The United Kingdom came 2nd with 466 points. And Ukraine came 1st with 631 points. So after adding up our points, remembering that we only got half points for our honourable mentions, my points grand total was 1,437, John's was 1,458, and Leslie's was 1,977. So the tally since 2016 is 5-1 to John, but for the second time, it's congratulations to Leslie for blowing us both out of the water. I don't know how you do it, because even when it comes to your honourable points mentions, you seem to pick out the songs that, even at half points, pick up at least 100 points each time. And once again, I picked tracks that had, well, single figures, basically. <laughs> And for the second year in a row, we predicted the actual winner of the competition. And in this case, all three of us predicted that Ukraine would win the competition. Keep in mind, too, I mean, it's not so much a prediction, it's what songs we like, too. Yeah. So maybe it's more of a question of your taste than that's. Yeah. I think it was because the, the Ukrainian entry last year was, it was a breath of fresh air. I mean, to hear Ukrainian hip hop with traditional instruments, it's something we hadn't heard before. And I think that came across throughout the whole competition, really. So 2022 was an amazing year for the UK because not only did Sam Ryder win the jury vote, and for the first time in 24 years, the UK came second in the competition. And for the first time in 10 years, the UK actually made it onto the left-hand side of the scoreboard, which was totally amazing. It was exciting. We were getting uh, quite emotional in our house watching it. Sad as it sounds. (laughs) It was a case of, what is going on? (laughs) We kept getting these 12 points and we're like, we haven't seen 12 points for a few years. (laughs) Especially the year before we saw no points at all. You know, it was like, what's going Not only that, Sam also won the Marcel Bessinson Press Award. Have a listen to this. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Marcel Besson Award. To further enhance the Eurovision Song Contest experience and to reward the excellence of the participants, this annual award is named after the man who created this fantastic event. There are three award categories. The Press Award, Best Song According to the Collective Voting of the Accredited Press. The Artistic Award, Best Artistic Performance voted by the commentators of the participating countries. And thirdly, the Composer Award. Best Composition voted by participating composers in the final. And the winner of the Press Award this year is Sam Ryder from the United Kingdom. Welcome up. There you go, man. 
Now, just stand here. I'm going to talk to you for a little bit. I'm just going to tell you, this is, you are historic because this is the first prize ever to go to UK. It's been a while since UK was in the top. Oh, they will know about it. We will post this right after the uh, show. So, how do you feel? Oh, honestly, fantastic. To be included in something like this, even at the beginning, just to be in the room with these amazing artists I'm seeing right here. The songs this year and every year in Eurovision are incredible. And even looking at the list of writers that are involved, I'm sure you guys can see all of our peers. They're not on the stage with us, but they're involved in so many of these songs. And to be part of something that celebrates that craft and that graft of songwriting is a lifelong struggle, but joy. Huge congratulations so far and good luck tonight. Stay around so we can get a photo of all three of you. Will only take a minute. Okay, let's go on with Artistic Award. This award is voted by all the commentators and it's only focused on the artistic performance on stage, nothing else. And the winner this year is Konstratla from Serbia. Oh, thank you so much. So, tell me, what, what was the idea behind your artistic performance? Oh, this is a long story, I think, for yeah. Well, I don't know, but I'm glad and honored that this, our performance is recognized as artistic one. Yes, yes, yes. But the story, you, you, should, you should dive into lyrics, you know. Yeah, I need a compulsive action, and it, it seems that I'm the first one washing hands in Eurovision. Congratulations to you and good luck tonight. Please stay around so we can have a photo of all the three winners. And then we have the third prize, and that might be the most prestigious one because this is voted by all the composers who participate in the final. And to be voted on by your colleagues, that's really a big thing. And the winners are Cornelia Jacobs, Isa Moulin, and David Sandian for Sweden. It's heavy. So, tell us shortly, how did you come up with this song? Oh, uh, it, it was a lot of kava uh, and, uh, and, uh, and the three uh, very talented people. <laughs> That's a good answer. The kava did it already for me. So please step forward, you are the two winners, and we can have a photo of all three of you. Thank you so much for joining us, and congratulations and good luck tonight. So yeah, so that was um, an award that uh, Sam wasn't expecting. <laughs> I didn't even know about that award. That's that's good though. They've been doing it for uh, probably about the last ten years, I think, and they have to come up with a special set of trophies for the award. They brought out these rather weird glass-blown sculpture things for the, the trophies in Turin, in the colours of the uh, Italian flag. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see what we come up with it for for it this year. Mm. <laughs> Three good acts, so I can see why they were chosen. The production behind the Swedish entry was great. 
the other one was that Serbia, wasn't it? It is that, that one. was that one. It was bizarre, <laughs> um, and that's why it got the the artistic vote. I think that'll be an iconic one. They'll be playing that one for years, won't they? Oh yeah, we would normally take a short break before we reveal our predictions for this year's contest. But in time-honoured Eurovision tradition, we're going to have an interval act. Now, Leslie is a professional singer and featured on the 2021 Icelandic entry, and she has recorded some of the entries for Eurovision 2023 and has allowed us to play in one of the tracks into the show. Now, Leslie, do you want to introduce what the track is? I decided, every year I decided to try and uh, attempt one different language. This year I decided to go for Romanian. Uh, obviously, Romanian is not in there, but Moldova. And it's a song called Swarale Shaluna, which means sun and moon in English. I really like the song. I think the stage performance is a little bit gimmicky, so... I'm not sure how well it's going to go down, but I absolutely love this song. I'm looking forward to seeing this one live. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping I'm singing the right words because it's uh, not my native tongue. It could be something completely different I'm saying. So yeah, this one is Swarali. <laughs>
Leslie sent me that track earlier, I was really impressed that she was able to sing in Romanian. Oh, shush. And as I mentioned to her that I preferred her version of the song to the original version of the song because I think it suits a female voice better than it does a male voice. Thank you. I also like the the flute instrument on the track as well. It, it kind of has a throwback to uh, the Kalush Orchestra because it's a similar kind of instrument that they play in that track. I found out the same. Do you remember the Ukrainian song the year before, uh, Go Away, Shum? Yeah. They had that kind mm. of that driving beat behind it as well. I, I, it did remind me quite a lot of that. That's probably why I like it, to be fair. And wasn't one of the guys from Go Away in the Kalush Orchestra? Yes. I think he was. Yes. Whenever I'm in the potosphere, there's only one place to be. The Garbage Pod. So now it's time to reveal what the three of us have chosen for our favourites or, in some cases, tracks that we think will do well in Liverpool. There are 37 countries taking part for Leslie, John and myself to pick from. There should have been 42, but for obvious reasons, Russia and Belarus uh, are not in the competition. And Bulgaria, North Macedonia and Montenegro are not taking part this year either. It's a bit of a shame, really, because Montenegro are always my go-to for a, let's just say, a bit out there kind of entry. (laughs) What was their song last year? boring actually it was a ballad <laughs> normally I, I i expect sort of like the missing link between joy division and duran duran with a little bit of dubstep in it <laughs> a kind of a ballad that normally sort of malta would usually come out with that kind of thing normally when countries pull out of the competition it's a financial reason which i'm assuming that's what it was and also there's a new country this year well Kind of. The the country formerly known as the Czech Republic, which is now called Chechia. And there's me complaining because they're changing the name of our local mountain range. What, the Brecon Beacons? Yes. I can't even pronounce it. You need a longer signpost, that's for <laughs> sure. As I mentioned in the Eurovision 2022 results, the three of us get to pick two artists from semi-final one plus an honourable mention, two artists from semi-final two plus an honourable mention, and then we have the big six which are the five countries that have made the most financial contributions to the contest over the years. These countries consist of France, Italy, Spain, Germany, and the United Kingdom, as well as the host nation, which of course this year is the Ukraine. So we pick one artist from the big six, and of course, an honourable mention. Out of a possible 24 unique picks, between us we chose 17, which actually... Is not that bad, really. As Leslie is our guest, I'll let her reveal her first choice for semi-final one.
Sweden's entry for this year. That's Tattoo by Lorene. Yeah, I mean, it's no euphoria, but I think the name Lorene will be enough to get people excited, enough to get it to go through and to do really, really well. It's not my favourite. In fact, it's about 13th place, I think, in my list. But uh, as a prediction, I'd say that it's going to do really, really well, mainly because it's Lorene. Yeah, as you say, it's it's not Euphoria, um, and, and unfortunately, I think a lot of people are going to compare it to Euphoria. Yeah, I don't think it's powerful enough, and I think there's a, there's a slight bit in the chorus that sounds a little bit like Katy Perry. I'm trying to remember which song it is that she she does that. It's very similar. Oh, raw. Yeah, probably raw. Yeah, I know what you mean. I mean, the songs of that kind of ilk, that kind of dance tune type thing, I know what they're trying to do. They have re- tried to recreate Euphoria, but um, of that ilk, it's probably the weaker of those songs for me this year. But as I said, I think purely because it is Lorene. What did you think, John? It's okay. To be quite honest, this year's songs were not all that great, as far as I'm concerned. And the vast majority of songs, I would listen to them, and I'd have to stop them like halfway through, because I'm like, yeah, okay, I'm done. <laughs> And this was one of the few that I actually was able to listen to all the way through. But it's still, I don't know, I mean, it just, it didn't catch me. I don't know the value of of Lorene. I don't know, I guess she's mostly a European. Do you know the song Euphoria? Mm, Maybe if I hear it. It's probably the most, well, it's probably one of the most popular Eurovision songs, I think. It didn't make her a success in the UK, to be fair. Everyone knows that song, but her career... In the UK, nothing after that, I don't think, really. Yeah, she she did well in the dance charts. I think she actually made it in the dance charts in America as well. Although I think she has released albums in Europe. And I think, as you say, people are just going to go for the name yeah, rather than what the song is. Well, I've seen it in the fact because mean, uh, I've joined the fan club since last year. And I see it on Facebook. Everyone's chatting and everyone's getting excited about it. But um, she was amazing when she did, again, Euphoria, when she did that live, she was amazing. This one, uh, yeah, I think it, it's more about the visual than the vocals. Uh, for me, as I said, I mean, even though I've chosen this one, it's not my favourite song, but it's one I think will do well. Apparently, in the um, the Swedish national selection thing, she had some really unusual staging. She had these massive, great big blocks that were moving around and things, which also helped her to win because the, visually it was stunning. Unfortunately, she's not going to be able to have the same staging at Eurovision because it would cost too much to ship it over and it would muck around with everybody else's uh, staging area. She's got something. She's got, um, I saw yesterday, there was a bit of excitement saying, oh, she's got it. So that that kind of sandwich of screens that she's between, there is something that's been built for her. It's not big, but it's there. But So it's going to be a similar thing yeah. by the sounds of it. So if we move on to my first choice... Social diesel anxiety Attention I'm getting The faces I drew on I can't focus You know this Ticket talking I'm gone I feel better In my sweater I got my stereo I play songs you know But hey Wait What'd you say Do you wanna dance Do 
So that was Malta, and their song is called Dance in Brackets, Our Own Party, and the act is called The Busker. Uh, now, there's not a lot about them online. Obviously, they're called The Busker because that's how they started performing, was as buskers, and they self-promoted themselves on YouTube. All, all I can say about this track is that I love a bit of sax, and uh, this is a fun track with a kind of a... <laughs> Ollie Murs or Justin Timberlake feel to it. And you probably heard in them uh, a little addition that I had to add to the track. Um, yeah. I did wonder <laughs> if I was mishearing it. Is he actually saying what I think he's saying in it? He does, yeah. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm quite surprised they do that. I what the duck was for. <laughs> I'm surprised they bothered to do that with Eurovision. I don't think they'd be allowed, to be fair. I don't know if he'll change the word slightly or, or not, but uh, I, I prefer using a duck than bleeping it out. <laughs> <laughs> What did you guys think? For me, normally I do like songs like that. Sorry to disagree with you. I've got it as t- it's in 29th place for me, that one. It sounds like it's trying to be a bit of Harry Styles, a bit of Bruno Mars, but is lacking a bit of something. I don't know what it is. Now, where some acts let themselves down live, when I have seen these guys perform it live, I've seen a little snippet of it, it seems better live. So they might actually do even better on the night. John? Uh, I mean, it's okay. It's not one that I would immediately turn off. It's a pop dance kind of song. It's got a little bit of disco flavor to it, I think. I liked it. It wasn't one of my favorites, though. Okay. We'll move on to your first track then, John. And that is Norway. That's sung by Alessandra, and that's Queen of Kings. Uh, There's really not much that I can find about her. She seems to be a relative newcomer. She's only 20 years old, but uh, yeah, there's really not much on here. All it says is, the song has taken a life of her own after she triumphed at the Norwegian National Final Melody Grand Prix. She says that the song carries a message of self-love and that she wants to inspire listeners of all ages and all genders to embody their inner Queen of Kings. And, you know, this was the first song, really, that I was listening to that it just caught me. And I probably listened to that song six or seven times in a row. Just hit repeat to it and just kept listening to it over and over again. I don't know. It's just I like the beat to it. That refrain is basically sounds like a a sea shanty. And I love sea shanties. So that might have been part of it as well. But the video also, right from the very start, it's got this like CGI'd dark vista with various pyramids. And it's like, wait, what is this? It's kind of one of those things where the video helped to sell it to me because you're watching the video and it's like, what is going on here? And then you're hearing the song in the background and then the song just started to catch on more and more and more. And it's just one of those songs that just hooked onto me. And I I just really like it. Leslie. Uh, I've got this one on the left hand side of the table for me. 
it's listened to a lot in our house. The rest of the family like this one a lot. And I just heard a note at the end which has reminded me why I won't be recording it insanely high. But I haven't seen the video to this one. There's some songs I've only seen the videos, some songs I've only seen live. I haven't seen the video to this one. But um, yeah, it's, it's a strong song. I think it'll do well. And yeah, Viking-y is what I'm thinking. Yeah, yeah. Um, see, I've got my red list and my green list. Obviously, you can probably tell what red and green stand for. This was on my green list, and uh, but not one I chose. My notes, my initial thoughts were, it's a Game of Thrones sea shanty. And I'm wondering whether it's something to do with actual Nordic folklore. Mm. So, Leslie's second choice... Finland's entry for this year, that's uh, Karia, I think is how you say his name. And the song is Cha-Cha. Bit of fun, bit of silliness, something for everyone to join in with, which um, I'm guessing by what I've seen so far from the Eurovision parties, everyone in the audience will be joining in with Cha-Cha-Cha-Cha-Cha-Cha. I also like the way it goes from being pretty aggressive to start with into absolute sickly cheese from the Middle East. It's just a bit of daftness as far as Eurovision silliness goes. It's a, it's a good one. And, well, it's looking like the Bucky's favourite as well at the minute. This was your second choice as well, wasn't it, John? It was. The, the song itself isn't something that I'd really listen to. You know, it's, it's, it's got so much rap and electronic and metal to it. But that totally kicked off the gamer mentality in me because listening to that song, I could absolutely see that being played in the background to some kind of high action, you know, shooter or platformer speed run or something where there's just a whole lot of action going on. Maybe like a, a twin stick shoot 'em up. That sort of thing was just, there's just a lot of energy. There's a lot of action going on. And I can absolutely hear that song being played in the background. I showed one of my friend's daughters the other day because uh, she likes to, well, she's a dancer. She does ballroom dancing. And I said, come on, watch this bit of cha-cha. <laughs> and her face, she, well, you could just see just complete confusion in her face when she looked at it. It's like, what the hell is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't actually like that version of the song uh, which I've brought out for the contest, but have a listen to this. Like it. A ska version? Yeah, that's a version they brought out for the Eurovision A Little Bit More sessions. And I would have probably put my vote with that one if they'd have released that <laughs> <Hello>. version. <laughs> Apparently, he's done about three or four different versions of the song. The, the one that's been released is the one they've chosen for the competition. I'm trying to remember what it was. It wasn't the song that brought my attention to him. It was, I'd seen someone share something about him and it was some random video of him being random. 
And I thought, who's this guy then? So I looked and then I saw the song. I was like, okay, this all pieces together now. And so I think because it was probably one of the first Eurovision songs I heard, way before everyone else's, it's had time to sit in my head a lot, lot longer. And I get to see this next week. Basically, I get to see the winner next week, I reckon. Okay, so now it's time for my second choice, which is this one. I'm sorry, I'm just human, I'm losing myself, I'm chasing eyes, I'm burning daylight, I'm scared that I'm falling behind, I'm losing myself, I'm chasing eyes. So that was the Netherlands uh, with uh, uh, Mia Nikolai and Dion Cooper uh, with a song called Burning Daylight. Now, apparently, these two wanted to enter the competition as individual artists, but they were brought together by Duncan Lawrence, who won Eurovision, with his songwriter partner, Jordan Garfield. Between the four of them, they wrote this song, which impressed the Dutch selection committee, and uh, they were chosen unanimously. So they've both been involved in the music industry for some fair time. I mean, Dion was on the The Voice of Holland, and they've both released singles in in Europe and done incredibly well. And Dion has actually been the supporting act for Duncan Lawrence during his 2021 club tour. Now, the Netherlands have had a history of releasing quality Eurovision songs, and since John and I have been producing these Eurovision podcasts, the Netherlands have featured heavily in our predictions over the years. For me, Burning Daylight is no exception. And this was also your honourable mention, wasn't it, Leslie? It was. This oh, I've had such a battle with this song. Uh, when I first heard this, it, when it was my winner, certain pieces of music, I can never explain why, certain things can really get me emotionally. And when that song lifts at the end, it's had me in tears quite a few times. Then... I heard them doing it live and it went from first place to 31st for me. It's really difficult. I don't know if you know, they've had to change the arrangement. They've had to change the key. Uh, they've had to change everything because uh, performing it live, they found it really difficult. In an interview, I think Duncan Lawrence said he can't understand why they've struggled, but it's just not been sitting well at all. It's been slated for live performances. Um, so I'm really hoping that they pull this one out. As I said, they've taken it up a key to make it easier because the low bits just weren't cutting through. Uh, the arrangements changed drastically. And it's such a shame because this song, the way that we just heard it there, that should be amazing with the staging and everything. It should be just mind-blowing. But sadly, vocally, they're not pulling it off live. So um. Yeah, I'm really struggling with this one. It's my honourable one because at one point it was my winner. I'm hoping that they do something with this. John? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, my comments on that one were just meh. simply <laughs> meh. That was my comment for that song that I wrote in my notes, just meh. It's okay. It's just meh. <laughs> so because we already know John and Leslie's second choices, we'll move on to my honourable mention. Tell me more about me. 
I'm running from the fate and I'm giving up my dream. I'm carrying all the pain and the sorrow that's in vain. All the games you think I play are my ways of staying sane. A shadow from the hills up high, nothing, only tears to cry. If I ever learn again to feel the way I did, I'll die from the emotions that I kept down for years, baby. Tell me more about me. That was Azerbaijan with Taral Taran X with a song called Tell Me More. Taral Taran X are twin brothers, Taral and Taran Bagmanov. There's not a lot about them, uh, apart from they were in a band called The Red Jungle. And obviously they were struggling through COVID to get gigs and things. So they just went out into plazas and parks and things and just performed to whoever might be walking past. For me, this, the song starts off very simply. It's got a feel to it. And I was trying to think of the song that it reminded me of. And then it hit me. It was Sixpence None the Richer with their song Kiss Me. It's very similar to that. And then there's the rap, which again is very, very simple. Almost like uh, Mike Skinner from The Streets. And then it ramps up a bit with a, a pop rock feel, kind of like McFly or something like that. I really like this song. I love it. Absolutely love it. Like you said, well, Sixpence on the Rich, it's definitely a 90s feel. I was trying to work out who it is that it reminds me of. It's kind of like that kind of, um, oh, who did Breakfast at Tiffany's? Is that kind of era? Deep Blue yeah, something. Yeah, that kind of feel for me from the 90s, which is a good time for me. So I love it. It's really sweet. The, the rapping bit is the only thing I find is, uh, mm, but I can get past it because I like the rest of it enough. And yeah, when they ramp it up at the end, there's almost a darkness-esque rock note in it, which I really like. Yeah, I really, really like this song. John? Yeah, uh, pretty much along the same lines. It's a nice pop rock song. Uh, I guess I didn't hate the rap part as much <laughs> as you guys did. But <laughs> you know, again, it, it's something that could have fit in the... It could, that could have even fit in like the college scene in the 1980s as well you know so yeah that that was one of those that i managed to get through the whole thing i was like yeah it's not bad not enough for it to be one of my favorites well that's pretty promising then i think if there's enough of us that uh, the three of us actually with very different tastes in music like it then that stands them a good chance but then is it a good enough chance for them to get voted that's the only thing isn't it apparently they've done really well on the eurovision pre-party okay. scene uh, around europe they're really popular with the crowd so yeah they might be all right it's 10th place for me which is good Okay, so John, your honourable mention. We take our first breath And then we exhale Then we give it all we got Until we fail We get back up again We take a look around
that was Ireland's entry with Wild Youth. Very little about them and conflicting information based on what Eurovision says versus what their Wikipedia entry says. But apparently they were formed in either 2016 or 2018, Friends in Dublin. Um, and there's really not a whole lot about them. It's According to Eurovision, they have a bunch of number one hits. I can't really find anything about that, but whatever. <laughs> doesn't matter. But that song is one of those, again, like the previous one. You can hear it coming from the 1980s or the 1990s. That's the kind of song that I can picture driving down the California coastline in a convertible, top-down, sun-setting. It's just got that kind of vibe to it for me. You sold it to me there with the uh, the whole scene. That sounds awesome. Um, <laughs> yes, it, it just it fits. It's just got that kind of energy to it. It sounds very Irish boy bandy, even though it's not a boy band as such. Do you know what I mean? But um, lyrically, the song could be what have I said? It could be the the song for the contest and the participants, as opposed to the actual, as opposed to an entry. If you get what I mean, it's like the songs are all about we are one. It's like if there's a message of the Eurovision, it's almost like that's what they've gone for. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I do like it. It's, I don't know what, it, again, it's one of these ones that's just slightly missing something. It's teetering on, it might be better live because it's actually a band rather than a boy band. But, you know, if it had been a boy band, would it have been better? Would it have made it worse? I don't know. It seems to be just missing something slightly for me, but it is a good song. This was another one that's on my green list. <laughs> um, and like you say, it's very distinctive Irish rock. It kind of reminds me of the script. If I don't know if you know the script, John. They're an, nope. an Irish band, and some of the guitar riffs have a slight U two feel. It's to the them. jingly, jingly, jingly yes. kind of sound. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and as soon as I heard that, I went, yeah, there's a little bit of U two in there. And Westlife. Yeah, mm. unfortunately, no. Um, <laughs> I don't know if you know this, but in the Irish national selection, this track, believe it or not, was up against Public Image Limited with a track called Hawaii, uh, which John Lydon wrote in tribute to his wife, Nora, who actually passed away recently. And it basically, it was a song about, it was their favourite place to go. Uh, actually, in the show notes, I'll put a clip of the national selection for that because John Lydon had trouble singing it because he was getting quite emotional about it. But uh, yeah, it's unbelievable to hear that Public Image Limited was... Uh, in the Irish Eurovision National Selection. I'd heard about it, but I'd actually forgotten to look it up. It was one of those things like, oh, I need to find that video. And then I totally forgot about it. I'll have to look it up after. Never heard of them. And apparently they released some things over here in the States, but didn't really do anything. Wow. Because Public Image Limited toured America a lot. I'll be honest. I couldn't name a song by them. Yeah. I'm looking at their discography and the highest that any of their albums charted over here was 106. Wow. That's the highest that any of their albums charted. Wasn't he from the Sex Pistols? That was back in 89. Yeah, yeah. John Lydon was uh, Johnny Rotten from the Sex Pistols. Uh, okay, now that one I know. Not, not someone you think of uh, doing Eurovision, is it? <laughs> not really, but they've had some really unusual rocky kind of stuff in the past, so <laughs> I don't see why not. Because John Lydon actually lives in Los Angeles now, and uh, apparently he gets mistaken for Bart Simpson because of his hair. <laughs> <laughs> So is he Irish? No. So how, <laughs> how was that going to work out then? I think he was. his grandfather was Irish uh -huh, or something. Really? I need to find some Cypriot uh, ancestor so I can go out there and represent them, I think. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't mean a thing, though, does it? I mean, you look at Celine Dion, you know, singing for Switzerland. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, I don't know what the... I, the, the rules depend on country to country, I wonder. In Cyprus, because I have looked into it with Cyprus. 
I mean, the whule reason why my Dunsacht has got a different name is because I got it in my head that I wanted to do Eurovision at one point. So that's why I've got a different name for that. And it's uh, Galesa, Spanish for Welsh girl. But Cyprus, I think you've got to live there for something like two years or something like that. I don't think it matters over here because, I mean, in the past we've had um, we've had Australians singing yeah. for us. And, I mean, we had, uh, well, obviously Gina G. And we had Olivia Newton-John singing for us. She's British one then. Year. Is she? I thought she was oh, Australian. I she was born in the UK, then she moved to Australia, and then she came back. Oh, but right. Katrina from Katrina and the Waves, she's not British, is she? Nope, she's a Yankee. And in fairness, when it comes to Katrina and the Waves, she was the only member who was American. Everybody else was yeah. British. Mm-hmm. So I'll let her off. We've had some people from other shores in the past. <laughs> It'll be my turn one day. Singing one day. They'll be wheeling me out in a wheelchair. Zimmer frame. <laughs> well, put it this way. I mean, if they can put people through like Bonnie Tyler and, and Engelbert Humperdinck. There's, there's... <laughs> no comments. So let's go on to semi-final two, and uh, we'll go in with Leslie's first choice, which is this one. Oh, my God, you're such a good writer. Oh, it's not me, it's Edgar. Who the hell is Edgar? There's a ghost in my body, and he is a lyricist. It is Edgar Allan Poe, and I think he can resist. Yeah, his brain is in my hand, and it's moving really fast. Mm-hmm. Don't know how he possessed me, but I'm happy that he did. Cause this song is feeling special, and he's gonna make me rich. Yeah, the words are spilling out. What the heck is this about? So that's Austria's entry this year. That's uh, Taya and Selena. <laughs> I think John's just laughing in disbelief that I've chosen that one, I'm guessing. Uh, and the song is called Who the Hell is Edgar? Uh, another bit of fun. Some great little pieces with different styles in it. I, I think each little piece has been done really well. And every nationality can sing po, 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 po. I'm sure we can all join in with that one. I just really like it. Well, no, I'm laughing just because the song is goofy and fun, and so is the video, and that's also my one of my selections for semi-final two. Oh, yeah, they had fun with this one for sure. <laughs> what I've got written here is, is this is another one of this year's WTF songs. <laughs> What's the other <laughs> one? <laughs> is it Croatia? Okay, I can't remember the song now, but all I can remember is on the video, there's a guy sitting on a rocket. Uh, yeah, I can't remember much else about it. I'm thinking... <laughs> Yeah, this is a bit like that Russian thing a couple of years ago. Oh, Mama Shu. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other couple of things I've got written about it is it just reminds me of that Smokey song, Who the <laughs> is Alice. That was Smokey. I was thinking Smokey Robinson. Uh, all right, that, that Smokey, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I think Google might come into force quite a lot with this with youngsters trying to find out who Edgar Allan Poe is. Uh, guilty. Slightly guilty, <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> I knew the name, but I didn't know any of his work. I'm honestly surprised that all three of us didn't choose that one, to be honest. I thought I was going to be the only one. I'm quite happy, yeah. I thought I was going to be having to defend myself. (laughs) 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 Okay, so here's my first choice for semi-final two. And when the world got me going crazy, I'll carry on. And it's 
Gustav, representing Belgium with a song called Because of You. I've been playing this a lot. (laughs) I love this record. Belgium have got a history of producing songs that are quite funky. I think John knows what I'm talking about with that. That song is still part of my uh, collection that I have in my car when I go on long trips. That's uh, the 2016 entry from uh, Belgium. Uh, It's Laura Tessero with the song called What's the Pressure? What's the Pressure? An amazing track. So good. Going back to Gustav, though, I can imagine George Michael singing that. These 90s stuff like Fast Love and all that kind of thing. The lyrics to this is, you know, for the, the, the community that will be in the in the crowd there, the, the Rainbow Nation, they will go for this because it's telling you to be who you are. People have been putting us down for a long time and, you know, we're here. It just takes me back to the early 90s because there's a, if you listen carefully in the background, there's that... that they used to have on the dance tracks back then. It takes me back to when I used to be a DJ on the club set. It's like the asthmatic so, wheezy sounding, well, yeah, isn't it? <laughs> well, see, I'm getting de-ream massively. Do you, do you, I don't know if you know de-ream in the States, do you? Things can only get better. Doesn't sound familiar. Yeah, it was 90s, mass, definitely, it was deliberately 90s sounding. I've got this place round about the same place as the Maltese song. It's, again, for the same reason. For me, it sounds like there's something just not quite right with it. I was thinking, it sounds like I've written it, and I'm not a great songwriter. And I was trying to work out why. And for me, it's less is more. You need to leave a few more spaces. How can I explain this? There's some points where he's, like, doubling up the lines, and if he just left it there, it'd sound less cheesy. But, yeah, it's just lacking something for me. It's like potential. Maybe if it was produced by someone differently and it just had a bit more... You might have to do your crack over this one, I don't know. But uh, balls. It needs a bit more balls to it. That's what I'd say. <laughs> Am I allowed to say that word? I don't know. Well, yeah, that's fine. not bad. <laughs> oh, whatever. Said worse. <laughs> the fan club are liking it. Uh, they've been saying the same on the uh, Eurovision cast podcast as well. So, because Leslie and John picked the same first choice... Let's find out what Leslie picked for her second choice. I've carried sadness with me. I hit it well since 16. And all the crying, all the fighting, you get putting out the fire. That burns so bright within me As I look back through all these years To broken dreams, disguising fear Being someone that I'm really Do love. 
Lithuania's entry for this year. That's Monica Linkite, I think is how we say her name, and a song Stay. Now, this is my favourite. This is my winner, especially after the Netherlands have gone off my top spot. This one has been teetering at the top anyway, all the way through. Vocally, she's going to absolutely 100% smash this live. She's by far the best singer of the entire contest. The staging is probably the only thing that's going to stop it from getting the top spot. If she performed it visually more like Lorena, I'm not saying the sandwiches of the screens, but that kind of smoky kind of atmospheric kind of look, then it would wipe the floor. But as it is, it's looking a little bit cheesy old school Eurovision. Like they've they've nicked a bit of Portugal's kind of stand-in setup from last year. It just doesn't seem that original for me. The song-wise, if it was just the song contest, nothing to do with visuals, this one wipes the floor with the rest of them for me. It's okay. It, it's... Meh. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just didn't click with me. No, it's just it, it's just one of those songs that didn't really do anything for me. First time I heard it, I straight away said, Leslie's going to love this. <laughs> and I also said, Leslie's going to sing this. And <laughs> she has. <laughs> it, it's not the kind of thing I would normally listen to, although she does remind me of Emily Sunday a little bit. Mm, I don't even. But yeah, as you say, she vocally, she is really good. I mean, I'm not sure. That might be in the live recording you just played. I don't know. But um, she's absolutely spot on. She really is. She's done the competition before, so the confidence should be there. She's part of a duo, I think, a few years ago. And it looks like Monaco was part of Eurovision back in 2015 as well. She was with, oh God, I'm going to kill this, uh, Vaidas Baumila. And the song was called This Time. I'll be honest with you. I only found that out just before we started speaking to each other tonight. So I should have written it down really, but yeah, she has done it before. So at least the nerves won't get in the way, I wouldn't think. But um, yeah, as I said, it's just the staging is just a bit boring. It could be what holds it back. You know, you know, when you're sitting there watching the competition on the TV, it's like the visual aspect is just as important, isn't it? It can be. I mean, I think that's what won it for uh, Heroes, to be honest. Yes. Uh, if he didn't have that background, would he have won the competition? I watched that last night and yeah, it was fab. I was getting changes change things from everyone else wants to try and recreate that now don't they there was another one i think it was one of the russian and he was climbing up blocks uh, on a virtual wall that was amazing i still want to know how they did that that's a good song though too yeah, it was a good song but it, that added to it that's for sure okay so now it's time for my second choice for semi-final two have you ever shut off the open doors have you ever just walked out Lost your mind when you try to unwind. Right, you're coming right back for more.
that was the Australian entry this year, Voyager, with a song called Promise. They're a five-piece band from Perth, and they've been together since 1999. They've toured the world several times and have released seven full-length albums. The group are massive Eurovision fans and have launched several attempts to compete for Australia, coming closest last year when they took the runner-up spots in Australia Decides with a song called Dreamer. They're the first ever group to actually represent Australia in the competition. Alex, the lead vocalist of the group, actually has a daytime job. He's not actually a musician. But when he's not performing, have a guess what his profession is. He's a lawyer. Really? <laughs> yeah. That could come in wow. handy for the band. I'm a little bit biased about this song because I've seen them play live. Awesome. <laughs> As John knows, I was invited to cover a couple of the European Space Agency's Space Rocks events in London for our sibling podcast, TGP Nominal, and one of the bands who played at Space Rocks in 2019 was Voyager, and they are really good live. This is a hard song to edit into a one-minute segment because it transitions between synth rock into metal and then back again. And there's little bits in there that sound a bit like Monzemelo's Heroes in places. Tiny little bits mm. of it there. And this is also John's second choice as well, isn't it? Yep. Yepper. What did you think, Leslie? Well, it gets points for me because it's in ninth place. I think it gets two points of it, if I've worked that out right. It sounds like it's been written for Duran Duran and performed by Morton Harkett yeah. of AHA. That's not a bad thing. I was a big AHA fan as a kid. The first time I heard it, that's all I could hear. It was like, it should be sung by Duran Duran. It's, it's grown on me massively. I didn't think about AHA, but yeah, that's a good point. V vocally, to be fair. I can see that one too. Yeah. Well, even just the, the, the way that the song was mm. produced has a feel that could go back to something like AHA as well. Even Maybe even more than Duran Duran. I'd never thought of it that way. But then you've got a lot of bands that were sort of like imitation of Duran Duran, like Japan was a, was a kind of a, a Duran Duran imitation. And really weird, when uh, Simon Le Bon was asked who his favourite band of the 80s was, he said Japan. And I thought, well, yeah, that's because it sounds like Duran <laughs> Duran. I mean, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Is that the one that did uh, Ghosts? Yes. My, my mother's a big fan. There we go. I'm updating the results. Oh, the table. Thing here. Yeah. yeah. You're doing it already. Wow. <laughs> well, I figure doing it now since we're taking care of it. Yeah. As John and I share the same second choice, let's move on to Leslie's honorable mention. There is always time to get back on track. Tearing down the Get back on track, tearing down the wall slowly every step. 
So that is Estonia, and that's the singer is called Alika, and the song is called Bridges. And this song I've got in third place at the minute. It could all change. The staging could really be make or break for this one. I'm hoping, in my mind, it needs to be just simple piano, no faff, no effects, just piano, singing, not much else. Vocally, not the kind of voice I normally listen to. Not the kind of voice I normally like, but this one, yeah, I just really like this song. I'm going to guess that it's going to be a meh from John because it's similar kind of ilk to, to Stay from uh, Lithuania. And yes, again, it's another one I've recorded. Had to be done. But yeah, I really like this song. As I said, this is third place and that's all I can say on it, really. So what have you got to say, John? Meh. No, I actually have that listed as no. not bad. <laughs> There were a lot of mess. Oh, semi-final two. There were those two songs that stood out to me and everything else was like, I don't really care for any of the rest of them. But that one was listed as not bad for me. So I guess that's a step above <laughs> me. <laughs> I think it's done on purpose, but it kind of goes with the lyrics of the song because it starts off very stripped down and then builds. And she, of course, she's talking in there about building up things like bridges. Uh, and I'm wondering if that's done on purpose. Mm. But as you say, they but they want to keep it simple. So there'll be no um, pianos being set on fire on this one. <laughs> um, but uh, she's got a great voice. I was trying to get who I was hearing that I've heard before. And I think there's a bit of Anastasia in there. Well, the kind of... No offence, Anastasia. I like but... Anastasia as well. But yeah, she's a little bit, <laughs> it was a little bit shouty in parts for me. But um, I'm saying that. I said this is my third place song. I've not mentioned my second yet. I'm really holding out that you guys are going to choose my second place. So my honourable mention is... Do you remember be easier if I was dead? whenever you're trying to start something, I'm in my head. Pink skies, red wine, I called you mine September. Denmark's entry. It's Riley with a song called Breaking My Heart. He's actually from the Faroe Islands. Although part of the Kingdom of Denmark, they are a, a self-governing group of 18 little islands in between Iceland and Norway on the North Atlantic Ocean. Now, Riley is a singer and social media influencer. I hate that term. Yes. <laughs> and proven that he's able to connect with fans wherever they are by gaining nearly 11 million followers on TikTok. He released his first debut single called Let It Ring in 2021, which sampled the default iPhone ringtone. The song had success and gained him newfound fandom in South Korea, and now, after a string of hit singles, he's heading to Liverpool. His popularity in South Korea caused a bit of controversy. 
because it nearly got him disqualified from the Melody Grand Prix for 2023, which is the Danish national selection for Eurovision. Now, the rules states that a track selected to represent the country must be exclusive to the competition, but it was revealed that Riley performed Break My Heart at a festival in South Korea. But a statement from DR, the Danish broadcaster, said, The artist complies with the EBU's guidelines for possible participation in Eurovision as is clear from DR's own guidelines, cases like this are a matter of assessment. Based on the circumstances surrounding the individual of playing the track at a concert in South Korea in October, DR does not consider that the artist has gained any competitive advantage in relation to the Danish audience or participation in Melody Grand Prix. So he was very lucky there not to be chucked out of the competition. <laughs> and now I think, breaking my heart, it sounds a bit like sort of Ed Sheeran with a Daddy Freya kind of crossover. It should do well in the competition, especially if all those TikTok followers vote for him. I've got so much to say about this song, so much to say. First of all, when I first heard this song, this became the favourite. This was at the top for me. Now, talking Daddy Freya, when I went to see Daddy Freya live, there was a support act called Heights, H-Y-Y-T-S. And one of those guys was actually a judge in our judging panel last year in Eurovision. And to me, this sounds like it's been written by those. I had to look to check that it wasn't. It's so much like that. So yeah, um, it's the very same kind of style as that. I'm very surprised to hear you say that he's done this live in festivals before because that should have told him that this doesn't work live. I'm really surprised because as this was at the top for me. It was another one until I heard it live and then it dropped down to, where have I got it now? 27th place. As a song, I absolutely love it. We all love it in this house. Uh, even the two-year-old asks Alexa for it constantly. But live, it's just not there. So I'm, I'm worried about it live. I don't think it's going to do it. John? Uh, I'll be the outlier here. My notes are... Quote, <laughs> no, couldn't get halfway through. Okay. <laughs> so you, you guys go ahead well, and enjoy it Isn't it, it for lucky me. you didn't get to play my recording of this one today? Isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so now we go on to John's honorable mention. <laughs> Shot black new vas poblista nebi krado magie splesis tema bo pris gala sharwache igra sovrastva je za vas hvala lepa ne računajte na nas še polna glas mi bomo celo noš plesali That was Slovenia's entry uh, by a group called Joker Out. The song is Carpe Diem. So they are one of Slovenia's most successful groups, having enjoyed both chart success and critical acclaim. They refer to their music as shagadelic rock and roll. 
I, okay, I mean, I don't know that that song in particular applies to that, but um, <laughs> according to this, their uh, debut studio album was setting records domestically in Slovenia and uh, just across that whole area. Tell me, tell me that you could not see that on MTV back in the 80s, back when MTV was good. Well, on my list... I've got it down as sounds like Franz Ferdinand or, yep, I can see or that. the Kaiser Chiefs. Yeah. I haven't written any notes down for this at all. I've got it down as 20, it's in 25th place for me. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, but I certainly don't love it. It reminds me of one of the songs from last year. I don't know if it was Circus Mircus. If it's that one it's th- I'm thinking of. There's one of those songs which I did like last year, but maybe because it reminds me so much of the song from last year. I can see where you're coming from with Circus Mircus. Um, there are aspects of it with the, the guitar sound on it. Very similar. Do you know what? I was trying to think of the style. Um, I remember thinking when I first heard this one, it sounds like a cross between Circus Mircus and Monskin. It sounds like they're deliberately trying to pick out bits of previous entries. That's why I didn't score it very high. I think there's a few bands this year that have tried to do that. Let's go straight into the big six with Leslie's big six choice. So France's entry, that's... Oh, I'm gonna, am I going to try and say this name in a French accent? No, it's going to sound more Spanish. I do apologise. Uh, Lazara. And the song is Evidemment. People tend to get excited. I've seen it on the fan on the, the fan club page. People get excited simply because it's French and it's France. For me, that doesn't usually wash. But uh, this one, I really like it. It's got a similar kind of feel to Lithuania's song by Monica Liu last year, Sentimente, which I think I might have chosen last year. Though that one didn't do that well at all. But this is France. So I think it will do well based on the fact that it's a good song and it's France. Yeah, you did choose it last year and so did I, if I remember rightly. Well, because it did sound French, to be fair. It was like a a French disco song. And that's what this is. Yeah. Now, if this song didn't have the disco arrangement on it, I wouldn't have liked it. I I haven't actually chosen this one, but I wouldn't have liked it if it was just the traditional kind of French kind of sound yeah. song. Uh, no disrespect to the French. On my notes, what I've got here, I've also got on here reminiscent of Lithuania's Monica okay. Lou. Exactly what you would expect from France in the mid-1980s if Giorgio Moroder had produced the track. And it had the feel of Sandra, who was France's answer to Madonna in the 1980s. I need to look her up then. I nearly learned this one this year, but I, you know, I think one language was enough for me this year, to be fair. I think I'll be doing this one next year. To be fair, I've only recently come across 
Sandra, within the last few months, they did a Euro special, or not Eurovision, but a Euro special on Sound of the Sounds of the Eighties on, on Radio Two, and Sandra came up right. on it, and I thought, who is this? This is really good. I'll have to learn that one and uh, slip it into my 80s show. John, that was your choice as well, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Disco. What else is there to say? (laughs) But no, you're right. If that was anything other than disco, I don't know how well it would have worked. Mm. You know, maybe if they tried to play it as like straight pop, it would have. But there was something about the disco, because really, when you think about it, that's kind of like the only disco entry this year. Mm. So that that made it stand out for me. And it just it just had that feel to it. And I just was like, yep, that's mine. Right, so now it's time for my big six choice. So that was Italy's entry this year, Marco Mangoni uh, with Dua Vite. Marco is an Italian singer-songwriter who rose to fame in 2009 after winning the third season of The Italian X Factor. He sold over 2.8 million records in Italy, getting to number one in the Italian album charts seven consecutive times and entering the top Italian singles chart 15 times. He entered the San Remo Music Festival in uh, 2013, uh, Le Senza and uh, was internally selected uh, by RAI, the National Broadcaster of Italy, to represent Italy in the Eurovision Song Contest in Malmo, Sweden. Ten years later, he's done it again with this one. During his career, he's received several awards, including nine MTV Italian Music Awards, He won the MTV Europe Music Award for Best European Acts, becoming the first Italian artist to win that prize. Yeah, he's massive in Italy. For me, this track has really polished production values. It sounds a bit like Eros Ramazzotti. One minute really can't do this song any justice at all. It starts off like a pop ballad, transforms into a huge rock ballad. This was also both your honourable mentions, wasn't it? It's a good sign then, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I've got this. It's seventh place for me, which, is, which isn't which is a bad thing at, at the moment. It's still one of those ones that keeps floating around, really. He's a good, solid live performer. Of course, he's got all that experience, which I didn't realise. Yeah, live, he's absolutely bang on with it. As far as Eurovision ballads go, it's a classic and sounds really shallow, but he's a really good looking fella. So that'll get the attention from the public, I think. I mean, it works the other way around, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it'll work. No, same with what you said. It's it's just a good ballad. It gets stronger. I like the orchestration behind it. I like the production value behind it. I almost, almost, and Mark, I'm sure this doesn't surprise you, I almost chose Germany. <laughs> I thought you both would, to be fair. <laughs> the thing that killed the German song for me was there were several sections in the song where they went into that throat screaming, which is an immediate nope for me. I hate that kind of metal. I absolutely hate it. Too slip not for my liking. Yep. Do you want to know where I've got that place? Have a guess. Last. <laughs> uh, let's have a look. Third from the bottom. I've got the bottom three. I've got Germany, Blood and Glitter. <laughs> then I've got Albania, because I just absolutely hate that one. And uh, no offence if I ever get to meet them. They're probably lovely people, but I just don't like it. And in last place, as much as I love the Croatia song, and I find it very funny, I, as a song, I've had to put it at the bottom, if you get what I mean. 
even though I enjoy it, yeah. I've got to put it at the bottom because uh, as far as the song yeah. quality goes, it's the worst one in there. <laughs> it's not going to get anywhere, yeah. is it? <laughs> as we already know what Leslie's and John's big six honourable mentions are, we'll go straight into mine. And it's not what you think. You just like the act of fool Trying to get in my headlight When I turn in my headlights I can see right through you Trying to get a reaction I just hit the action move Nes vaja you chenna bi Ya pradoju you svibi Svit bala ye ati di Don't be scared to say just what you think That was Ukraine, Torchy, and with Heart of Steel. Torchy, uh, Jeffrey and Andre are two friends who met at university and enjoyed plenty of domestic success with four albums and several hit singles to their names. Andre is a Ukrainian national and Jeffrey was born in Nigeria. They have been making a name for themselves on the Ukrainian festival circuit and their latest album, Road, even beat Kanye West and Drake to the top spot and racked up more than three million streams. Now, I like the arrangement for this track. It, it's very dark, and the bass drops like an anvil on a coyote's head. It really does. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it, it did take me a second to catch the reference. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> Plus, there's a mix of Ukrainian and English lyrics to mark the collaboration between UK and Ukraine, and that adds to the song as well. It kind of reminds me of a track by 21 Pilots called Heathens, which was released for DC Comics' Suicide Squad movie soundtrack. I really like this song, but there's a big but. I don't know if it's the frequency. because For me to listen to this stuff, I'm listening to it in the car. I didn't hear it as much then when you just played it there. There's a percussion that pulls the rhythm completely for the song. If that was taken out, I could get into the groove of it, but there's something I'm fighting with the percussion on it. Apart from that, I think it's a cracking song. If they took out that percussion, I'd love it. Like the lyrics, musically, it was just way too synthetic for me. And parts of it were very minimalist. You know, you hear a bass line and a drum and that's about it. And it was just like, if that had more orchestration to it, I might have liked it a bit more. It was too electronic for me. There are a few tracks that we need to talk about. I mean, we've already covered a few there. I'm going to start off, because I'm contractually obliged to mention the UK, we'll start there. Oh, I was gonna call.
May Muller. She co-wrote a song anyway. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll quite fit. <laughs> Still, I co-wrote a song. <laughs> <laughs> with uh, Lewis Thompson and Carol Poole, who has written for the likes of Kylie Minogue, Lily Allen, David Guetta. Um, and she was actually a member of the band Alicia's Attic, if you remember those. Oh. May also has a connection to last year's Eurovision because one of the hosts of last year's competition was Mika, and May was the little girl in the Grace Kelly video. I'd forgotten that. I had heard that and I'd forgotten it. I think she sounds a bit like Dua Lipa and she's also been very popular in the Eurovision pre-party circuit. Some of the critics are saying that she might go top 10 in the competition with it and she also might have something in her favour because sometimes where you're placed in the running order in the grand final can dictate how well you might do in the competition. Mm -hmm. Being first off the blocks is a good position to be in and so can being the last in the running order because it's the last song that the public hears before voting. I Wrote a Song is number 26th in the running order, so it's the last song in the contest. So that might be an advantage. Are those picked out of a hat or is that...? Yes, it's randomly okay. picked. Uh, one thing that winds me up about the video for I Wrote a Song is continuity. Now, in the song, May sings, I wanted to trash your Benz, but in the video, the car she trashes is a Ford XR3i. <laughs> <laughs> oh, if only the listeners could see John's face right now. <laughs> okay. I guess they didn't want to spend the money to trash a Benz. It's... <laughs> Which, I mean, I get, but, you know. I don't dislike the song. I don't think it's going to win the competition. I don't think we're going to be on the right-hand side of the table. I do think we're going to be on the left-hand side, but I don't think it's going to go any further than that. I think it's definitely on the left-hand side of the table. Uh, it's going down well. It's popular. Right, the problem is, as a record, I like it, uh, apart from the rap. I don't like the rap, but thankfully that's not happening live, generally, I don't think. Um, when she's doing it live, it's not sounding that great. I think because she sings a bit like Lily Allen, because unlike Dua Lipa, she sings with a very specific accent and it seems to be stronger when she's singing live and it's making it slightly unpleasant. There's also people speculating about what she's going to do in the song as well because obviously you get three minutes for a song and mm. she she's the song is about two and a half minutes long. Whether there's going to be some kind of dance routine in there or something. Oh, they're putting the rap back in, are they? Because I think with the rap, I think it's three minutes, isn't it? I'm not sure. When I've been listening to some of the uh, media talking about things, I haven't mentioned that the rap might be coming back into it, but they think there might be something happening halfway through. So we'll see. I mean, does it have to be mm. three minutes? Can't they just let it go at two and a half? Or is there like a scheduling uh, thing it, that they have to have three minutes worth? Yeah, it, it's it's more down to scheduling more than anything else. See, I can't work out how far over Sam Ryder went last year because it wasn't until the show that suddenly the guitar solo was dropped in. And the yeah. song was already three minutes. So I don't know how long that song went on for. Because people were saying it was a bit short without it, but then he went over the top a little bit. Oh, I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> I had a few glasses of fizz by that point, though, so I was slightly emotional. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm so proud of him. <laughs> I, I was doing the, um, the traditional raising a glass at uh, song number nine. Yes. Uh, and then from that point onwards, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it went a bit downhill after that. What, what's so special about song number nine? You say it's traditional. What are you talking about? It, it was traditional for the, the British side of things. 
the former commentator for the BBC, Sir Terry mm. Wogan, who's no longer with us, always used to start drinking after song number nine. So everybody now raises a glass to Terry Wogan at song number nine. And uh, yeah, it goes downhill from there. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. My other half uh, did say, oh, do you fancy some fizz tonight? And I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I said, oh, no, I'm doing the podcast. Because that could have gone wrong, really, if I'd have started drinking at the start there. Yeah, it would have been interesting. <laughs> I was about to say, that, that could have made this a lot better. You never know. <laughs> I think next year, I'll do tequila next, year, next year, all three of us should start drinking right before we start recording. Yeah. Just to see what happens. And if we'll ever... It's tequila for me. <laughs> do we need to create a... Um... The Eurovision bingo board, and then whenever one of us mentions something, <laughs> <or other>. <laughs> love it. <laughs> but I'm gutted that no one chose my second place because I thought, because you lads like your you rock, I've got Latvia second place. Honestly, that was one of those I also marked as uh, I couldn't get halfway through. Oh, really? Yeah. There's just something about it. I I just I don't know. It, it just did not click with me, and I was like, no, nah, I'm done. And I just stopped playing it. It's actually in my green list, Latvia. And all I've got written on here is I can imagine Chris Martin from Coldplay singing this. Is that a good thing? Depends if you like Coldplay <laughs> or not. <laughs> so, curiosity then. So, I mean, yeah, as I said, I, with the first semi final, I went for what I think will do well. The second semi final was kind of a, what I think will do well. But to be fair, that was also my favorite songs. What are your favorite songs then? Or is, is that the ones you've chosen? Have you got a favourite? It's a bit of both for me on there. I, I, for me, because I've played it so many times since I heard it, uh, and it's the first song I actually chose just by listening to the first 30 seconds of it, I guess, I, li I like Belgium. I do like I, I like good stuff. I think I was put off, I think, because the first time I saw him, I only had heard a few seconds, and because I saw the live performance rather than the record, I think that put mm. me off slightly. But I'm fighting with that one because I have learnt the song, so obviously I don't hate it. Yeah, because I finished recording that one today. The first thing I did because they have a roundup of the songs. They have all the all of the songs into twenty minutes, I think. So you get like thirty seconds of each track. And I decided not to watch any of the videos on that bit. I just listened and tried to get my first reaction on each of the tracks straight away, and just put hit or miss against each one. Um, and that's how I played it really. <laughs> What about you, John? Have you got a favorite, firm favorite? Not really. None of them are songs that I would go back to and listen regularly. It's no 2016. <laughs> there are several songs from 2016 that I would absolutely go back and listen to. I mean, like I said, I played Queen of Kings several times on a loop because I like that one. Same thing with Who the Hell is Edgar because that's just a fun, goofy one. But none of them this year really stood out as, yeah, I want that song. 2016 had so many good songs that I actually bought the music. So you know, this was before my time, even though um, I was, I've always liked Eurovision. I've always been working on those Saturdays. So, or if I haven't been, I've been slightly tipsy, so <laughs> I haven't really watched it completely properly. Um, 2020 was when I started really getting into it. So I'm still catching up. So what songs should I be listening out for for I 2016? Mean, well, what's then? the pressure from Belgium is so good. It's just, it's straight 70s funk. 
there's no, it, that's it. It's so good. You know, it really sounds like uh, Nile Rogers produced it. It's so good. Right. I, one of my that that song I probably put on loop for an hour when I first heard it. It's so good. But it's just that there are, there are a couple of songs in there that are like straight from the '80s as well. And there are a lot a lot of good high energy songs too. I actually have a separate song list that if I'm doing exercising and I want to keep my energy up, there's a list of like 20 songs, maybe 15 that enough to keep my energy going during exercising from 2016. It's just you know, I've been listening to Eurovision since 2010. How Mark how, how long have I how long have you you and I been doing this? 2014? Something like that. Something like that. And it's just it seemed to me that 2016 had such a good variety of stuff. I think I've still got the 2016 soundtrack somewhere. I say I'll happily listen to 2020 in the car. I'll still listen to that, like like I would put on any other compilation. Do you know what I mean? 2020 was the Eurovision that never was, isn't it? Yeah, that was the year for Daddy Freya, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. Well, my CD's turned up. I haven't oh, taken it out of the seal yet. Because see, my two-year-old, she looked at the CD. She'd what's this for starters? Because uh, my car, annoyingly, I still haven't sorted out a CD player. So she didn't know what it was. She said, what's this? I said, a CD. And she looked at the cover. She went, oh. She said, breaking my heart. <laughs> because she loves it. If she saw the cover of Love City Groove, she'd think it was that as well. Or really does it look the same? It's got same. the heart on the front of it, all in multiple colours on the front of Love City Groove. There's a song I'd forgotten about. I like that oh, one. Oh, I love that record. It was the only UK Eurovision song that I actually bought as a CD single. Well, I was working on a holiday park at the time, so I used to do the disco. And I used to play it. I had no idea it was a Eurovision song at the time. I don't know how, in the early 90s, Ireland stayed afloat, <laughs> to be honest. Because <laughs> they have, how many how many years in concession did they have three, to... Three, I think, um, wasn't it? Three years on the trot, they had to uh, host Eurovision. That must have crippled the economy. <laughs> John, have you ever seen Father Ted? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep, yeah, you yeah. betcha. There's the uh, the song for Europe. I mean, that's a clear Mickey take of that situation where they wanted the worst song to go in because they didn't want to win because they couldn't afford it anymore. Yep. Okay. <laughs> that's a really really funny. What was that song called? My Pony or something? Or <laughs> My Lovely Horse, written by the Divine Comedy. That was. <laughs> I don't know if I've mentioned this in one of the previous shows. Have you ever seen the documentary that Divine Comedy made on how to create the perfect Eurovision song? And it ended with a song called Trafalgar. I think I may have seen it. You need to find the song Trafalgar. It's fab. It's just brilliantly, awfully, perfectly Eurovision. It's got the key changes. <laughs> oh, which, by the way, this year is the first Eurovision competition to not have any key changes. Wow. Ever. But that's a guaranteed way to have a hit. It's got to have a key change. It works for Westlife. <laughs> <laughs> Because, again, for my podcast, I do songs for this year, songs from last year, and I try and put in some old classics. And Hallelujah's gone in. Oh, my goodness. The key changes in that have nearly killed me this week. Oh, dear. So you've definitely got a podcast coming out this year. (laughs) Well, I've done the songs. I've got to finish editing them and then do my research. I've done research on two of the songs so far. Uh, It should be, hopefully, end of this week. Not sure how, but yeah. Spanhead Productions are a small independent sound recording company based in rural Hertfordshire. We specialise in creating content for all your podcasting needs, whether it be field recordings, fox pops, or capturing the atmosphere during social events. Editing is a very time-consuming job, so Spanhead Productions are on hand to take away some of the burden for you. Just advise us on how you'd like your content to sound, and we will do the rest. We can even help you design and manage a website for your podcast too. Visit us now. Spanhead 
spamheadproductions.weebly.com. That's spamheadproductions.weebly.com. So that brings us to the end of our Eurovision special for another year. I'd like to thank Leslie and John for coming back to celebrate all things Eurovision with me. Thank you for having me. Thank you for putting up with me. (laughs) (laughs) Anytime. Can I very quickly apologise to John for calling him John Berger, by the way? Is it John Berger or is it John Berger? No, hard G. I don't know where people get the soft G on that. That has always baffled me. It's like, where? (laughs) But you're, you're not the first. It's okay. At least I'm not calling you what uh, Emily White used to call you. She used to call you Beefy. (laughs) (laughs) And Leslie, have a safe journey and uh, have an amazing time in Scouseland on Tuesday. Thank you very much. We'll look forward to hearing all about it. Have fun, take pictures. Yes, enjoy Eurovision. We'll start drinking after song number nine, yeah? (laughs) Yeah. And behalf of everyone at the Garbage Pod, we'd like to wish good luck to all the countries taking part during Eurovision Week. Well, that about wraps it up for this episode of The Garbage Pod. Be sure to visit thegarbagepod.weebly.com for the show notes for this or any other episode. Just look for the relevant tab on the menu. If you want to get in touch with us, then... Send an email to garbagepod at virginmedia.com, where your input is our output. If you would like to subscribe to any of our podcasts, you can do so via iTunes, the RSS feed, and also Stitcher and TuneIn On Demand Radio. And you can listen to me going solo, bringing you the latest in movies and home theater for regular people in the Widescreen podcast over at widescreen.org. Don't forget to rate and review us. If you like what we're doing here, then why not buy us a pint by clicking on the donate button on any of the podcast pages. And don't forget to spread the word about us. The Garbage Pod is a Spam Head production.